Shabbat Shalom. When I was growing up, our synagogue had a regular practice of writing for the High Holidays. They used to set up tents in a sanctuary, four tents, one in each corner for each of the four worlds. And people would duck into those tents. They were beautiful, covered in silks and furnished inside with pillows and all sorts of beautiful places to write. And people would meditate and jot ideas down in a journal. I always thought that writing was central to Jewish practice. When I got to college, I was desperately lonely. I missed home, and I missed my Jewish community. I called my rabbi, and she suggested I should check out some of the synagogues off campus, that maybe being in multi-generational community would be a balm for my soul. It was nerve-wracking to go out into the world and find a community not knowing anyone. I built up my courage, found a conservative synagogue, and made plans to go the next Shabbos. I was worried about getting there, finding it, parking, all the things, and uh, I woke up that morning so early, I ended up arriving 30 minutes before services started. And those were the days before security was a thing, so I just walked into the sanctuary and found a spot in the back and took out my journal and started writing a letter to God, asking God to help me make this a home, to help me figure out college, to help me find friends. I hadn't been writing for very long when a whole group of women came up to me suddenly. What do you think you are doing? Writing here in the sanctuary on Shabbos? How dare you? I was horrified, totally humiliated and ashamed. I had no idea that was a thing. I blurted out some apology. I'm not even sure it made any sense. And then they wanted to talk to me. They had all these questions for me. Where was I from? And where did I grow up? And did I really think that was okay? And all these things. And I was just trying to respond and trying to keep my cool and trying to not lose it in front of these women in this strange synagogue. And at some point, Services started and they went away, and as soon as they did, I grabbed my journal, threw it in my bag, ran to my car, and cried all the way home. As a young adult, I was always hyper-conscious of how other people perceived me. I was always looking around, trying to see how people were reacting, trying to modulate my behavior to make others like me more. And I think that's partly why that moment in the synagogue shook me so much. I was doing all the things I thought would lead to people seeing me as being a good Jew. And I was really trying my hardest to make the best of a challenging situation. I was trying to find community. I was trying to connect with God. But in that moment, those women, they didn't see my intention. They didn't know the community I'd grown up in. 
the picture I had of Judaism. They didn't know my heart. What they knew was the rule that I had broken. For years after that, anytime I entered Jewish community, I did so with trepidation. Sure that people were just waiting to catch me red-handed. Sure that people were just waiting to point out something I didn't know to prove to me that I wasn't Jewish enough, good enough. It took a long time for me to rebuild trust, to feel at ease in Jewish spaces. I've been thinking about that moment a lot recently. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, I wasn't breaking any major laws. I wasn't really doing, I was writing. My writing didn't undermine the integrity of that community, didn't speak to my character in any way, and whether those ladies liked me or, or not or thought I was a good person or not was of no real consequence in the scheme of things. But at the time, it was profoundly painful. At the time, I felt profoundly alienated in a time that I desperately needed community. And I've been thinking about that story and thinking about it over and over again because if I, as a young adult, felt so alienated, so pained, so humiliated about something as trivial as writing on Shabbat, what are young people feeling in Texas now? Facing this new legislation. And I know we're all reading the news, we're all seeing what's happening in Texas. They just passed what they're calling the Texas Heartbeat Act, SB8, which makes it a crime to aid or abet the procedure or inducement of abortion after six weeks, the time you can detect a fetal heartbeat. Now, what makes this bill so challenging is it doesn't rely on law enforcement agents, government officials, central governing bodies to enforce it. No, the law puts the onus on everyday community members. It empowers vigilantes to harass medical professionals, taxi drivers, friends, teachers, anyone who's suspected of aiding or abetting an abortion. And it just doesn't allow them to sue, no. It financially incentivizes that process. Because if you sue someone on the suspicion that they have helped someone to get an abortion and you win in court, you not only recoup your legal fees, you also win a $10,000 bonus. And no matter what your politics are, no matter what you think about abortion, the mechanism of this law is terrifying. This law empowers people to tear each other apart. This law tells you it's okay to go nosing into other people's private medical affairs. Not only is it okay, you will be financially rewarded. This law 
also does not account for mistakes. If I suspect you of having helped someone get an abortion and I take you to court and I was wrong all along, I don't pay your legal fees. Defendants don't get their legal fees back. Which means this law can financially ruin people on nothing but baseless suspicion. And it affects people when they are in the springtime of their lives, when they are most worried about how other people see them. I think about the pain I felt as a young adult. That is a tiny fraction of what young people could feel when friends or teachers or classmates take advantage of this law or just simply follow the law. And let's be clear, we already live in a world where this kind of energy is a problem. We already live in a world where online trolls can post lies about you that cannot be deleted, lies that ruin lives. We already live in a world where social media influencers make their money by gaining viewers, spreading hate, spreading vicious lies or mockery. They are already financially rewarded, and that is without laws that codify such behavior. And what's really scary to me is, do we really think this mechanism, this legal mechanism is going to be limited just to reproductive rights? Already we're seeing copycat laws all over the country, but is that where it ends or will we see a creep? Will we suddenly see all these laws popping up in our nation that put all of us against one another? Will we start looking over our shoulders, worried at any moment someone could turn us into the government for a bounty? Will we lose a sense of trust? Will we lose our sense of community? I'm reminded of a famous story in the Talmud. Someone who's not Jewish goes up to Shammai says, hey, I want to learn Judaism. Teach me all of Torah as I stand on one foot. Shammai's like, you are crazy if you think I can teach you all of Torah. Do you know how many laws there are, how many rules? Get out of here. Same person goes to Hillel. I really want to learn Torah. Teach me all of Torah as I stand on one foot. Hillel doesn't even pause. All of Torah on one foot. V'ahavta l'recha kamocha. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the rest is commentary. For Shammai, the most important thing were the rules. Shammai was suspicious of people. He didn't trust that person was really there to learn Torah. He didn't trust that they were there for the right reasons. But he knew that the rules would get him through, and if he just focused on the rule, that would win the day. But for Hillel, it wasn't the rules that mattered most. It was the person in front of him. He knew that with love, with connection, with community, everything is possible. And that if someone had that ultimate truth of loving a neighbor as oneself, the rules could be learned. 
That story is fundamentally where we are now. Each one of us in our daily lives, we have the choice to be Hillel or Shammai. We have the choice to focus on the rules, the choice to look around and see where people are breaking rules, or the choice to focus on loving our neighbor, on seeing the best in our neighbor. Ultimately, we can't fix the Texas Heartbeat Act. We also can't change single-handedly the cultural zeitgeist that is turning us against one another. But what we can do is love our neighbors as ourselves. We can love our neighbors. All the rest really is just commentary. <laughs>